Welcome to AEM Early Access, a podcast of the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine and the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. The demand for mental health care has been accelerating for the past several years, completely outstripping our supply of mental health clinicians. The emergency department is the safety net for more and more acute mental health crises, and today we are looking at possible solutions with a new publication in AEM entitled The Effect of Telemental Versus In-Person Mental Health Consults in the Emergency Department on 30-Day Utilization and Processes of Care. First author, Dr. Jin Han, is here to discuss it with us. Dr. Han is an associate professor with the Department of Emergency Medicine at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. He's also a core faculty member of the Geriatric Research, Education, and Clinical Care in the Tennessee Valley Veterans Affairs Healthcare System. We're pleased to have him here with us today to discuss this important topic, and don't forget to read the full text of this article, which is available open access from the publisher for a limited time. Dr. Jin Han, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, so over the course of my career, and I've been practicing in the ED since, oh my God, since like 2001, I have felt that there has been a significant increase in the patients I see who are presenting with mental health or substance use related complaints. It just seems like the proportion of patients I see on any given shift is just more and more and more geared towards mental health complaints and substance use. And as a background to your paper, which we're going to discuss, can you talk with us just a moment about this increase in mental health complaints and the difficulties we have in meeting that in the United States? Well, your experience matches mine and your experience reflects what we're observing nationally. And there was a study um, conducted using the NAMSIS database or the National Hospital Ambulatory Medical Care Survey, Mm -hmm. which found that the proportion of mental health-related ED visits nearly doubled in the U.S. from 2009 to 2015. And this increase has continued throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, particularly with substance use disorders. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there aren't enough mental health providers to meet this increased demand. And as you know, personally and anecdotally, this often leads to delays in care and unnecessary transfers. And this is uh, born, bared out in the data as well. And so, okay, you work within the VA system. Yes. And so let's turn our attention then to the mental health of veterans and access to mental health care in the VA system. Um, and really anything else uh, within that system that you feel like would help the listeners understand the setting of your study better? Like, what can you tell us about it and the challenges, especially for veterans living in rural areas in terms of accessing mental health care? Yeah. So about a third of our veterans live in rural areas. And as you know, rural areas are very limited in what's available for healthcare resources. And many of them have limited um, access to medical care as well. And as a result of that, many of them have to travel hours to get to their nearest VA hospital. And unfortunately, the same shortage of mental health providers in the civilian world is being seen in the VA healthcare system. Mm. Not every VA um, hospital, especially those not located in metropolitan areas, have 24-7 access to mental health providers. So it's 
not surprising that mental health complaints are the leading cause of VA to VA interfacility transfers. And about 10% of these transfers are potentially avoidable. And rural veterans are three times more likely to be transferred out of a VA emergency department for mental health complaints. So this is something that we can do uh, better in terms of serving this very vulnerable uh, patient population. All right. So uh, this is where telemental health, telehealth or mental health comes into the picture. So before your paper, what was known or published about the role of telemental health consultation from the emergency department or the urgent care? There are several studies that have examined the impact of telemental health in non-VA emergency department settings. And not surprisingly, these studies have shown that telemental health increases access to mental health providers. Uh, These studies have also shown that um, telemental health also increases the proportion of patients with mental health complaints who are able to be discharged home. And telemental health also decreases the need for interfacility transfers. So that's, uh, but just this is based upon a handful of studies, and there's really not a lot out there, especially in the VA healthcare system. Okay. So tell us about the launch of telemental health within the VA system. Like what led up to its use and how was it adopted? Well, before 2019, telemental health was virtually non-existent in the VA emergency care system. Funded through a VA Office of Rural Health Award, Michael Ward, who's one of the co-authors in the paper, he's also uh, an emergency physician at the VA and a health delivery scientist. He and his team successfully implemented a telemental health program at our local VA emergency department and urgent care center. So what they did was they created a telemental health cart, which was metal um, modeled after the VA National Telestroke Program. And this cart consisted of an iPad and Bluetooth speakers. And all this occurred before the pandemic. Mm. So what they did was they pilot tested the telemental health program in a small group of volunteer mental health providers, and they refined the workflow process. And once the um, COVID-19 pandemic hit, and it it was actually very few things that are positive about the COVID-19 pandemic, but one of the benefits of the COVID-19 pandemic was the, the mental health providers were game and really excited and enthusiastic about the telemental uh, health project. So it, there was, it really facilitated uptake. So it was made the default model of emergency mental health care, and it was available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So during the pandemic, over 80% of our mental health evaluations were conducted through telemental health. And this has largely been sustained to this day um, at the tail end of the pandemic. So it, it was really yeah. exciting to see. But that's probably one of the few things about the COVID-19 pandemic was that, you know, our mental health providers were really excited about adopting this technology. Yeah. And how prescient that it had started in development before. Um, So you were poised and ready, which is awesome. Yeah, Um, Yeah. So what was in your study now? Let's talk about your paper. What was the primary question that you were hoping to address? I guess first I'll answer this question with a little background um, of why we were interested in this question. Mm-hmm. So we knew that telemental health increases access to mental health providers, and that's a great thing. But we had some uh, concerns that were largely theoretical that we wanted to look at. So the big thing is that telemental health providers have to evaluate and examine patients virtually over an iPad in this case. And the concern was they may miss subtler signs and symptoms of life-threatening conditions that can mimic psychiatric conditions like delirium. 
Um, we're also concerned that telemental health providers will be more likely to make um, inappropriate changes to the veterans' psychiatric medication regimens. And the reason is this, because I think part of the part of our decision-making when we change medications mm-hmm. is assessing the patient's uh, vulnerability to develop, developing adverse drug events, such as delirium falls, especially in our older adults. So we thought that, yeah, there was a possibility that these these um, adverse events may increase and lead to increased return ED visits and rehospitalizations. And um, this is what we wanted to study because it was largely unreported in the literature, especially in the VA setting, and that was the impetus for our exploratory study. So for our paper, we wanted to see how telemental health affected post-evaluation utilization at 30 days compared to veterans who received in-person mental health evaluations in the VA Emergency Department and Energy Care Center. Okay. So uh, as you mentioned, this was an exploratory uh, retrospective cohort study conducted at a VA ER and urgent care. So tell us uh, a little bit about your study design and your methods and, um, you know, what data were you looking at and what were your primary and secondary outcomes? So, yes, this was an exploratory retrospective cohort study uh, conducted at uh, our VA emergency department and urgent care center located in Nashville and Murfreesboro, um, Tennessee. And Murfreesboro is is, uh, considered a much smaller city where we uh, take care of all of our, Mm -hmm. a lot of our rural veterans. So our permanent outcome was a composite outcome consisting of 30-day return ED or urgent care visits, 30-day return hospitalizations, as well as 30-day deaths. And we also looked at a whole bunch of secondary outcomes that were primarily processes of care. So specifically, we looked at the number of uh, psychiatric medications changed by the mental health provider. We also looked at disposition, whether or not they were transferred, Mm -hmm. admitted, or discharged home. We looked at uh, urgent care and emergency department length of stay, uh, the utilization of involuntary holds, use of IV benzos or haloperidol, and the use of physical restraints or seclusions. And we also had some exploratory outcomes. Um, specifically, we were really interested in uh, adverse, uh, uh, adverse drug events to assess the quality of prescribing by the mental health providers. And uh, this was done by hand by myself. Okay. So uh, let's talk about your results. Uh, you had 496 patients in this analysis, and 346 of them had a telemental health consultation, and 150 received an in-person mental health consultation. So were there any differences between the characteristics of those two cohorts? Yeah. So for the most part, the telemental health group was fairly similar to the in-person mental health evaluation group. However, there's some minor differences. The in-person mental health group uh, was more likely to have a medical reason for the ED or urgent care visit. So, um, for example, chest pain or back pain was fairly common. Mm-hmm. And the in-person uh, uh, mental health evaluation group were more likely to have a past history of depression compared to the telemental health group. But overall, the characteristics between the two groups are fairly similar. Okay. So uh, what did you find regarding the 30-day return um, ED urgent care visit, uh, rehospitalization, or death? So fortunately, we had no deaths in the study, which is a good thing. Always good. So our primary, yeah, so our primary outcome was essentially 30-day return ED urgent care visits or 30-day rehospitalizations. And what we found was that there was no significant difference in our 30-day composite outcome between the telemental health and in-person groups. Mm. However, 
there was a trend towards a 50% increased odds of the telemental health group having the 30-day composite outcome. Hmm. But this finding did not reach statistical significance. When when you look at the data, this increase was largely driven by higher 30-day return ED or urgent care visits in those who were discharged. Hmm. So about 27% of the telemental health group who were discharged returned to the ED or urgent care within 30 days versus 17% 17 in the in-person group. And again, while not statistically significant, this is something that um, that raised our eyebrows and was an interesting observation and may deserve a closer look with a larger study in the future. Hmm, for sure. Um, all right. Well, how about the differences in the processes of care outcomes? So with regard to processes of care outcomes, we didn't see a difference in the number of psychiatric medications changed by the mental health provider or disposition. There's, there was no differences in emissions or discharges uh, from, the ED, um, from the ED or to mm-hmm. the hospital, respectively. There were also no differences in the administration of IV benzos or antipsychotic medications, and no difference in the use of physical restraints or seclusion rooms. But in the adjusted analysis, we did find the following. We found a significant association between telemental health and decreased use of involuntary psychiatric holds. And telemental health was actually associated with an increase in ED um, and urgent care length of stays, which was surprising to us. I'm going to ask you about that again in a second, but are there any other results that you would like to highlight? Yeah. So again, we're very interested in looking at adverse drug events. So six patients in the telemental health group experienced an adverse drug event as a cause for their return ED, urgent care, or rehospitalization, while no patients in the in-person group had an adverse drug event. While the numbers were too small to come up with uh, to a conclusion with any um, high degree of statistical certainty, this is something that also caught our eye um, and something that we're really interested in addressing and answering with future studies. All right. So the finding of telemental health increasing, increasing emergency department or urgent care length of stay was very surprising to me. Um, it sounds like it was to your team as well. So what what are your thoughts on that? Huh. Yeah, I think we spent a lot of time discussing why this occurred. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think first, I think the big caveat is that this was a secondary outcome and this association may be a false positive or a, a type one error, uh, which can occur when you have multiple comparisons. But if this association is indeed true, then there are several potential explanations that we came up with. I think the biggest limitation in telemental health is it's relying on technology and it may have you know, it could be that it may take more time to properly set up the iPad, um, and uh, especially when things are really, really busy. We also know that technology is prone to failure, and there may have been more technical issues, such as poor um, internet, uh, wireless internet connection, that uh, can occasionally happen as well, and that may prolong the evaluation time. And it's also possible that the telemental health providers spent more time with the patient than they would have if they had done the in-person evaluation, again, just to make sure um, they didn't miss anything, because that's something that um, that is certainly a fear of um, that may happen with telemental health, that we may miss subtler signs mm-hmm. and symptoms of medical conditions that may mimic psychiatric illnesses. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what do you think needs to come next in this arena? You've mentioned a couple of areas that you think are ripe for yeah. future study. What, what would you like to see come next? So I think 
telemental health definitely has a place in addressing this shortage of mental health providers, particularly in the VA healthcare system. And we know that increases access to, our, um, to mental health care for our veterans, especially those who reside in rural areas. But our study suggests that there may be areas of improvement, but keeping in mind that our study was largely exploratory and retrospective, which you know has methodologic uh, flaws, and we were um, also limited to a single ED and urgent care center. So I think the big next step is to do a larger study in multiple VAs, preferably like a cluster randomized trial design or some sort of step wedge trial design, mm -hmm. and really dig into how these processes of care, such as length of stay and quality of prescribing, are affected by telemental health. There's also a larger concern about how feasible and scalable telemental health is if we only used emergency psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, um, there probably isn't enough emergency psychiatrists to implement this program on a national scale. Mm. And also physicians are expensive. So for these reasons, we have to consider and evaluate alternative models on how to implement telemental health. So one of the things that we're really interested in is what, what if we use licensed clinical social workers to perform the evaluation? Mm -hmm. And what if they disposition the patient? Because there's a lot of um, patients with mental health uh, complaints that are pretty straightforward. You know, if I'm going to be if the patient's suicidal, does the patient requires an admission? So what if we just use social workers um, instead of uh, emergency psychiatrists? And the only time we would use an emergency psychiatrist is uh, if, the, if the case was less straightforward mm -hmm. or was challenging. So I think this is something that we're certainly interested in exploring in the future. Yeah. There's, and there's certainly some precedent for that in the community. I think that people are trying yes, to be yeah. more strategic about how they, you know, take advantage of these very scarce resources. So yeah, that'll be really yeah. interesting. So thank you so much for coming to talk to us about this paper. I think it's um, tremendously important and I can't wait to hear more. Well, I appreciate you inviting me and it's been a privilege to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this month's AEM Early Access. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes at AEM Early Access, all one word. Don't forget to read the full text of this article, available open access from the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal for a limited time. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.